answering that? That's pretty good. What's but the correct? Usually people do Elisheva, but it's Elisheva. Elisheva. Yes. Interesting. Okay. So we were just talking about where you're from. So that's Israeli. Is that a, right or no? I, uh, I was born and raised in Israel. Yeah. I, I like to say Israel-Palestine, even though... Okay. People yeah. get territorial about things. It, it's just, you know, there's, there's a disagreement about the... F- the very fact of that region yeah um wait have you seen uh have you seen the promise band not sure what's okay it's a documentary Uh and it's made by one person that did it uh her name's i think her name is jen heck Uh but it's basically like almost a mockumentary of trying to make a band in uh, that kind of tours around israel and palestine and it's among people in both ethnic groups and geographic groups Mm -hmm. but um the way i got to know that is that uh yeah one of the directors is like uh uh, from columbia did an mfa Mm. here in film is it a full feature yeah yeah it's a documentary it's really good uh promised band the promised band like it's a pun funny yeah so um yeah really anybody involved is actually from the area Anyone involved is actually from Israel or Palestine, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So That's, they... When did it come out? Um, I think it came out like 2016. Really? So, yeah, well, the year that nothing happened, you know. Why am I not surprised that I'm, I... I shouldn't be surprised that I never heard about this. I mean, it's kind of like under the radar. Like, I saw it on the, the documentary channel. So mm. I don't think it's like a widely circulating film, mm. but uh, pretty good. Okay, so then, all right, let's... So we... Uh, kind of started talking about that, um, Israel, but let's talk about kind of where we are now. Mm-hmm. Cause I talked to Vivian yeah. and you know her. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. So, okay. So how do you feel about, so she mentioned that she's moving to this building too, like this, her studio yeah. space. We moved together. Yeah. We shared a U-Haul. Yeah. I know it was first, uh, designated for the Manhattan project. Oh, wow. During, uh, world war one yeah well like during einstein's time right yeah Yeah. Yeah. so these were those scientists and people were working here i think this was one of the centers where the the, nuclear nuclear bomb was developed so a lot of it's a very weird building did she talk to you about the different features not really so i'm not it's gone through so many stages uh it's very complicated in yeah. terms of navigating inside there's is there like so many not a there's like not a middle there are like floors missing or something there is a half floor yeah. that you could only uh access through the freight elevator it's between i think it's like between three and four or something like that okay i went there once and it's like you, you know that movie um the shining no john malkovich yeah where he walks in and oh just, yeah yeah it's exactly ex- it's like that it's and almost it's like a, what are those called? Like a crawl space, right? Yeah. Kind I mean, it's a little higher. I mean, you yeah. can stand, but it's yeah. very, it's like exactly, maybe you would have to like hunch a bit. Okay. And it's just filled with shit. I mean, this building is just carrying its own history yeah. and it's also falling apart. It's disintegrating. <laughs> and what I heard, um, yeah, I heard it for, for sure. I'm, we are, uh, gonna be one of the last classes to have. Oh, this bummer! Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not gonna like renovate it or something. Is there um, just not enough like of a skeleton to do much with at this point? I think it's also a matter of priorities. Oh, you know, yeah. The real estate market market up here is becoming not good. Well, I guess really good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Wait. So wait, Malkovich. So yeah. wait, 
Okay, we got to talk about this. All right. About so wait. Yeah, about the movies because uh, photography, okay. visual arts, yes. movies. So I want to kind of, I guess my goal is to figure out how they're connected and how they're different, at least in your mind. But let's go back. In general? Right. Well, no, in your experience. Okay. And then also in your interests and stuff and what mm-hmm. you like to do to push things creatively. Because I definitely like am familiar with your work. I think the, that MFA show, that mm. is, and that's still, is that, that's still ongoing, right? Because that, isn't it? Or did it end? Which one? There's like a There's couple. like so many. Yeah. I mean, the one that I went to. Where is that in Chashama? This, this one. This one was there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This one, yeah, obviously just closed. I picked yeah. it up on during the weekend. I'm so happy you saw that because yeah. this work is the one I feel most proud Ooh, of. Oh, really? Yeah. In okay. terms of everything I did this year, yeah. Why? Uh, this is a breakthrough for me. Um, I mean, this one is in procession, right? Is it or is it? No, in procession. Actually, one of the Im- the image, the black image yeah. here, is taken from a series that's right. called In Procession. Exactly right. That series I showed at the end of the year show, like the official academic yeah. the, here in the gallery. The that's academic the if gallery. I the if I favor in a site and like that was inspired yeah, yeah, by yeah. A biblical verse, right? Or that yeah, that's yeah. the Book of Esther. Yeah. Uh, and then what ended up happening is. Um, why is this a breakthrough? I think I'm trying to find the words to say it that it won't sound like. Well, I mean, I can see how in procession as a series. Yeah. I mean, I can see how that is a breakthrough. Like, I think, well, that's kind of interesting, interesting question there. I mean, what influence does sort of like spirituality, like how did you even end up using that? The book of Esther, right? So how Mm. does that, how does that come up as a topic that you want to explore in art? Well, all of this, everything I've done in the past year uh, in this framework has been uh, an exploration uh, of my own personal past, which is something that I kind of like, I I just didn't do until now, Um, which is, you know, also, I'm wondering about that as well. But so I started doing that. Uh Yeah, and my personal past uh, being I grew up in a Hasidic community. Um, What characterizes that? Because I'm not as familiar with um, Israeli or I guess in this case, Jewish culture as I, you know, probably should be. I mean, I definitely have friends that are Jewish. You should be, definitely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, I am familiar with um, a little bit of it, but what's the difference? This is going to sound, I was thinking about this, like I don't want to be super naive and like, um, but. I mean, how could you not, right? This group is like intentionally separatist. They are not, they're not interested in, you know, taking part and being. Would you consider that to be like orthodox? That is, okay, so. If you want, I'll ju- generally yeah. speaking, Jews are like an ethnicity, I guess, or like right. a religion. Yeah. And then within that, you have like the different tradi- traditions. I grew up, so the Orthodox would be just, you know, whatever comes to mind in terms of Orthodox, traditional, mm-hmm. patriarchal. Like we're a yarmulke every day. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure like in here, you also have some sort of like modern Orthodox could be more loose. Probably I'm not me. I'm also like not very familiar in Israel. It's very much it's more simple. Actually, you have people who are Jews and secular. Mm -hmm. You have Jews who are religious and religious, i.e. Orthodox here being Jewish and being religious can take on many forms. You have reform. You have um, conservative. Yeah, you have all these different 
kind of alternative structures that very much uh, evolved in America. Is that because of the diaspora, just the like wide lineage of that? Because I, I mean, there are Jews. I mean, is there anywhere? I mean, there, um, you know, Jewish people all all across the country. I mean, definitely there. You see, um, I guess more on the East Coast. I don't know. In my experience, I'm sure there's some real yeah. data out there about this. <sighs> but as I think, what's interesting, yeah, people in New York feel that there's there are more Jews in America than there actually are. Mm, okay. Uh, factually speaking, Jews are, I think, around less than 3% oh, wow. of so American citizens. Yeah, I think they're very much, they're very dominant in New York. New mm. York is a big center. Yeah, of, melting yeah. pot. Uh, so, in general, but also historically, Jews have arrived here through Ellis Island. Also, my American side of the family had some moment in New York. And then you have, in New York, you have the Manhattan Jews, which is more like, you know, the liberal academic. Oh, yeah. Like Woody Allen. I didn't want to say it, but yeah. exactly like yeah. Woody Allen. Why don't you want to say it? Because, I don't know, he's okay. kind of gross. But oh, like, yeah. then yeah. you have um, the borough Jews who yeah. are the Orthodox Jews, who are usually poorer. Like Brooklyn, Bronx. Exactly, Queens, yeah. 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 And those Jews are not as... Um, religious? No, they're okay. more religious. Yeah. They're Orthodox. Yeah. The Hasidic ones, right? So right. they're usually poorer. Okay. Um, they're more separatist. They have their own um, education system, um, you know. And they and they're also self-marked. You could very easily identify them. The Manhattan. What do you Jew- mean self-marked? They're they're wearing. Oh, you know, gotcha. They have the. Okay. They're the dressed beard. up. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. They're very much about, you know, doing the orthodox, the ultra orthodox thing. Right. So you so you're talking Jews. about orthodox yeah. orthodoxy. Yeah, which is you know what's interesting is that I even didn't know that much because mm. I grew up in Israel. In Israel and in in a bubble in a yeah. lot of ways. Like I was taught a very specific type of Judaism that's mm-hmm. very much about this is the true Judaism and oh, every yeah. other form of Judaism is not. So don't even you know, Think we don't it, acknowledge yeah. it. Um, but then working on this, I felt that I should, you know, um, uh, kind of explore it more. Definitely. So yeah. I started reading some real, you know, hist- research, yeah. uh, into this and yeah. And basically kind of like re introducing myself with this community I grew yeah. up in and had like a very different experience of than, you know, these people, getting like actual you know information about what that way of life is about so Um, wait so you're growing up in israel so what part of israel uh pretty much central israel it's like a a small town called yavne it's about 40 minutes south of tel aviv so what what is that town like like is it characterized is it like farming or is it more urban Uh, i would say it's more urban okay um, not really agricultural. It's just like a small town. It used to be, of course, the original. It was, um, Yavna is, is actually a, a town from uh, the Talmud. It was oh. already around. Okay. Yeah, there's still like um, a grave there for one of the Talmudic um, like figures. Like clergymen, yeah. Yeah, clergymen would yeah. be a good word. And yeah. then, uh, you know, before the esta- establishment of the state of Israel, it was Yibne, which mm. was a Palestinian uh, oh. vil- uh, village or like a Bedouin. I'm not quite sure. So actually. is this when we started getting into like conflict, like conflict or no, or does that come later? 
that's just a historical fact. Okay. I don't think okay. any <laughs> nobody is like saying that never. Happened. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Just yeah. because it's also so recent. Yeah. And also, there's like actual like you evidence. Know, yeah, yeah, you see the okay. Um, yeah, the, we call them Nakba houses. I I'm sure huh. there's a different word for them. Uh, what does your family do? Like, how do you? My father's a rabbi. Interesting. Yeah, okay. that's what he does for his job. In Israel, that is like a state where you don't have that separation of religious life oh, and yeah. state. So rabbis are could be government workers. That's that's true here too. They just don't say. Oh, okay. Yeah, and separation of church and state. I mean, look, like um, like there are a lot of candidates, political candidates, that are funded by religious groups. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a fact. Like. Whatever, but whatever that's, that's true side, side no no i completely yeah but at least i, I know what you mean on, it's the, not as on the formal yeah, yeah exactly. exactly israel is a jewish state yeah and that means like for some reason the orthodoxy or the like the rabbinical uh-huh. orthodox system kind of like uh received that mandate over um the definition and the application of what jewish meant so your dad is a hasidic He's rabbi. a Hasidic rabbi. Uh, he's a rabbi who's also, yeah, part of the Hasidic community, specifically the Lubavitch Hasidic community, mm. uh, which is uh, a specific tradition within the kind of Hasidic. Okay, um, so it's like a it's lineage. a sect. It's a sect, definitely. It's a very specific, uh, like uh, Eastern European. I mean, most Hasidic uh, Hasidic sect come from uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, what, the, what about Ashkenazi? Ashkenazi is a, a more general term to any sort of Jews, Jews who came from certain areas of Europe. Okay. Specifically, I think German, Russia, Austria, Poland. Russia would be technically Ashkenazi, I guess. I'm not I'm honestly not an expert on that. So the funny thing is that Lubavitch Hasidus is centered in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Mm. That's oh, their wow. global center. Yeah. Wow. Originally, it came from. Uh, a town that's now in Ukraine, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Uh, arrived here during, uh, I think, when th- when Russia was the USSR under, mm. and there was like a very a lot of persecution of any sort of religious activity. Yeah. Uh, so the leaders of the movement basically relocated here after being. Um, like jailed and prosecuted. Yeah. 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 More than that. They were yeah. like prosecuted. Uh, one of them was according to what Legend. I was taught yeah. as a child. I never really looked into it, but mm-hmm. he was uh, sentenced to death. And then the Jewish organizations in America got involved, some diplomatic efforts. Mm-hmm. They arrived here. They got this in the fifties, got this, uh, a bun- like I think a couple houses in crown Heights that at the time was, think kind of still like a middle class okay. neighborhood yeah um and then they stayed on uh when like the white flight oh, uh, yeah. happened yeah they stayed like the the leader of the movement was like no we're sticking around and it was very much about for him about not losing so many community members who were poor and mm. could not afford to relocate so wait when you were growing up i mean do you have siblings I have one sister, yes. And were you, I don't know what the system is there in terms of like how women are treated, how, how they're treated in sort of reference to men. Like, is it possible for women to be uh, in the clergy or is that something no. that doesn't, ha- it doesn't no. happen? So you weren't like pressured or anything to do that? No, no. It wasn't even I, a I option. mean, women have a very interesting and specific role, something that I wouldn't even 
try to compare to like the different roles women uh, occupy in like other countries uh, and places. cultures. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when it comes to like having religious authority uh, in the community I grew up in, no, you yeah. have your uh, responsibilities and you have your space yeah. and it's not, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't dismiss it. No. So then what were you were encouraged to do? I mean, what are I your... was encouraged to become a teacher, get okay. married and have children. And that is the path that's generally sort of like normal or that's what yes. most people do. Yes. Is yes. that just uh, your talent thing or is it no. more of an Israel? That is what I felt was everybody in this in the community I grew up in, we're doing, uh, and when I say community, I mean the global community. Mm. The Lubavitch Chabad Hasidus is part of, is this lineage that's all about preserving the traditions uh, of the Eastern European lineage, but mm. also their kind of twist is that they're very big on outreach. They're okay. to other Jews. Mm. So they were the first Orthodox group, meaning you know, black hats, beards yeah. that were actually turning out yeah, yeah, and trying to kind of grab people. And that was a precedent in terms of like Orthodox. Uh, that was considered okay. No, it, 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 it oh. provoked a lot of oh, really? backlash within the Orthodox community. community. Yeah. A lot of, uh, yeah, it was very controversial at the time. And still there, there's some other um orthodox communities that have like a weird thing with hmm. the community i grew up in okay uh but now it's more common yeah. uh but at the time it used to be that you the thing about being ultra orthodox is that you kind of gave up on the world in some sense oh, yeah. i think it's very much about you know second world war yeah and kind of their conclusions like the very about traditional it. roles of what people should do yeah, and also just like a, a more like uh, a larger... Like um, we can't really have... We don't have that much control in the world, so let's kind of just isolate Keep to a ourselves. Bit. Gotcha. Yeah. But you weren't into that. Uh, I was for a while. You know, I was heavily indoctrinated uh, mm -hmm. as a child. I was born into this. I yeah. mean, there are so many things about it that are kind of magical. I wouldn't like... I'm not... It's, it's not a simple thing to kind of just, it's you not know. black and white, yeah. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, there's so many things about growing up in such a tight community. Uh, there's no real, like, parallel to that on, yeah. on the outside, which is, like, the way to say it yeah. uh, for me right <laughs> now. But, yeah. Um, you know, I still think about it. Um, but... So then what was your introduction to the art? Uh, so, wait, so how does it work in... Israel. So like, or I don't know if this was an option, but in terms of education, I yeah. mean, are you kind of going through the same ranks that we go through here? Like elementary school and yeah, middle school yeah. or whatever? Yeah. I mean, I went to religious schools where, yeah. uh, but they were still publicly funded, specifically the ones that I went to. So there was some basic, you know, math, English, all these things. There arts? was some science. There was some arts in like the early, uh, up to like eighth grade. I still okay. had like drawing. I had drama class, which really? was insane. Yeah. My mother sent us to this school <laughs> that actually gave, it was a girl's school. Like boys would never get that. Okay. By the way. Yeah. Like now I have, uh, two nephews who mm. I love a lot and two nieces. One of my nephews is this, he draws all the time Yeah. and he's obviously so passionate about it. And that was that was like one moment where I'm like having this weird realization about 
how I grew up is that I sat with my sister. I'm looking at my sister and my nephew, who's obviously like, and also he's so talented. And I was like, why aren't you like pushing him into the, or, or encouraging him? Yeah. yeah. Or just like, you know, um, sign, sign him up to some yeah. after school class yeah, or yeah. something. It's not going to happen, but it just, it's not going to, it's not even a possibility. I mean, man, that's she's sad. not, she's not going to say, um, oh, this is not okay or not kosher. Yeah. She's just going to be like, ah, oh, he's not going to, he's not going to really be serious about this or something like that. Because it's not, it's not, um, it's not something that's like, traditionally it's not going to lead to a path for him that she wants or it's not even that she wants it's just not a possibility wow like rea- like it's not in reality it doesn't exist you know cuz the cause that's part of the isolation yeah very much where you have like just like a very you know you live in a different world um yeah sounds like it yeah which i i don't think is is i mean a lot of it from the outside could be uh, labeled as like some sort of delusional, but I don't know. Being through that, I'm like, yeah. it's also very real. Like, you know, there are communities like that here. I mean, I don't oh, know yeah, for I, like, sure. if you go on, like if you're taking a road trip, like through Missouri, which you yeah. talked about where I lived for the past couple of years, like you notice those small towns mm-hmm. where everyone knows everyone. Yeah. There are maybe like three or 400 people. Yeah. They all do the same things. They listen to the same music. They watch the same whatever yeah, movies that come exactly. in. Yeah. So that's normal. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, and if you, if you know, that's the whole thing about like your paths in life and the choices that you make about yeah. like your future yeah. are always informed about what you think is possible sure. for you. And I think like there's not many people who are growing up really experiencing everything as a possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a shame a little bit. Right? Uh, it's also just like the world. The reality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you the, but you, so you said that, I mean, so you were kind of going in that social norms direction, right? But then, but yeah, you like said everybody, yeah. yeah. But then, you, so you were taking art uh, in school. You said I up to was. Grade. I was a very avid like draw. I was would draw all the time. Like, what did you draw? Everything, like yeah. all the time. I mean, mostly like figures, you know, stuff that I imagine like a lot of girls or whatever kids would yeah. draw. The older I got, it became like more like kind of emo-y, moody stuff. Okay, yeah. As Were you, did I, you as ever get depressed? A teenager. Um, just like teen um, angst. Yeah. I mean, I think the depressed thing uh, probably hit very hard when I realized I'm going to leave the community. Oh, when you were going to leave. Yeah, yeah. Up till then, it was more like just having what felt like a normal childhood, going through the motions. Were you, were you exposed to um, like movies and music outside of that? So part of it is that, um, you know, formally speaking, it's not allowed. You're not allowed to be exposed to any sort of like mainstream culture. That means movies, music, all of that. But I did grow up in a mixed town. Like it's not it wasn't like an Orthodox town. You know, I have members of my family who are not Orthodox Mm. and we weren't very close, but kind of I was friends with girls that their families weren't as devout as mine. So you things do seep in, which is, that's one of the biggest things I realized after coming out is that the biggest um, misconception that I had about the way of life I grew up, I was born into and grew up in is that the the biggest misconception that we had about ourselves Mm -hmm. or I was taught about 
who we are. So we're the same as everyone else? That we're cohesive mm. amongst ourselves. Mm. That but there that is, turned out not to be oh, the case. Yeah, not the case. Like, at all. Like, there's so many, first of all, so many different um, socioeconomic yeah. situations. There are, like, people with money, and there are a lot of people without money. So you're drawing this whole time. I'm drawing a lot. You never stop, yeah. No, and because I was a girl, you know, which could happen in many um, different kind of traditional societies, weirdly, as a young girl, you kind of can get away with having these kind of hobbies. Yeah, so my, actually, my mother was always kind of encouraging. She was always, would always be like, oh, you're, you're an art. She would do, say, mm. the art thing. My mother is also American. She grew up oh, wow. in Chicago. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, she basically joined the Hasidus that um, I, I grew up in when she was in her early to late 20s. She grew up like modern Orthodox, I would say. She joined, was that, I mean, I, was that related to like a marriage thing or? That was right before she married my, fa- I mean, she married my father. She met him through the community. It was yeah. like, you know, what's what would we call like an arranged right. Situation. situation yeah. yeah which is the norm yeah uh of marriages in the community i grew up in so she joined another thing i'm realizing now is that she was part of like a moment in american culture in the 70s where you know there was a lot of counter-cultural yeah. movements were After, happening like post-vietnam war yeah yeah a lot of young yeah uh, people kind of searching for protesting and yeah, altering exactly. minds. So it turns out there was a huge movement of like not as religious Jews becoming more devout and joining oh, wow. specifically that Hasidic. Yeah. Interesting. So she did that. Huh. There was this rabbi going around, I'm not going to say his name, and having and make, and having all these uh, like conferences, like workshops. Wow. If you can imagine that in that context, it kind of makes sense. I guess. I mean, but the counterculture is like what you're saying that it reeled a lot of people into that. I mean, they seem like two kind of opposing forces, don't you think? Well, they would. Right. But at the same time, so much about um, maintaining like a separatist kind of lifestyle is technically countercultural. Like so many. Yeah. So many of the skills of, you know, not giving a fuck about, yeah. you know, people looking at you and yeah. being different, like all that. And just like also, you know, having a very careful relationship with outside authorities, yeah. whether it is like by careful, I mean that you don't like assume that they will serve your interest and oh, that you need to kind of have your own Back. leadership yeah. yeah, and your own advocates. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. I'm learning new things. I yeah. don't know about that. So then, um, so you're drawing compulsively, but when does the, uh, like photography interest start? Oh, photography happened much, much later. Like mm. I arrived, uh, at, at art. Yeah. Uh, pretty late, I guess. Um, did you go to college in Israel? I went to co- So I came, I left the community in like mid to late teens. Um, I kept going, I switched, it was a whole thing. Uh, dropped out, rejoined a different religious school just to huh. finish my... Oh, okay. Practical decision. Yeah, just so I can, uh, you know... Get your requirements and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I did. Yeah. Worked really hard. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then I moved to Tel Aviv, the big city, to actually fulfill my, you know, 
vision for my own life. And I signed, um, yeah, I got a BA in art history and gender studies. It was like a double major. The art history thing I'm feeling, I'm very grateful for having that background. Yeah, but. Very much. But I think it was very much me being like, I can't be an artist, you know, so I'll go do that, which is. Oh, okay. So the logic there is not. A safer bet or something? I or know, but it makes no sense. Yeah. Wait, so when you when you ultimate when you leave your yeah. community, yeah. I mean, how does your family and how does the community feel about that? Oh, it, it was a crisis. It was a crisis. A full on crisis. Not good. Yeah. No. Um Do you, you have know, a do you have a conversation with your family? Or it's what do you do? It's not like a How do you even how do you leave? It's not really a coming out situation just because a lot of it has to do with Realizing that what I'm doing is basically adopting a new perception of the world and mm. trying to create a dialogue between two you know, points of view of what this world is about morally and what we should be or what I want to do in it. Sure. It's just like it's impossible because what I'm doing is immoral Mm. you know, theologically, but also more than anything, it's just, you know, a disappointment to my parents yeah. and uh, just a crisis in terms of, you know, I'm the, my father's a rabbi. And it, it's just yeah. like one of those situations that you're really, so I think what ended up happening is that, uh, you know, you're just labeled as like a troubled teen. Okay. Your parents just, you know, have to suffer through that, but that kind of allowed me to get out. I guess one part of that is that if they're not caring as much about what other people think, I mean, if that's not part of the philosophy, then at least they don't have these thoughts. Like, uh, I don't want you to, you know, I hope you're not, uh, you're not like an embarrassment or anything. Like you're, they, you're seen as someone that can make your own decisions, right? What do you mean? Like, like you just, so you said that part of the culture, part of the philosophy is that you, first of all, like you don't have this relationship with authority that, you know, other cultures have. And also, um, people have each other's back, but then you're, you're not like giving, you said you're not like giving a shit about what other people really think of you. By other people, I mean outside people. Oh, but in the community, there's still opinions. Oh yeah. yeah, So So, many. So that's when you, (laughs) so you become a little depressed, like sad. Yeah. I mean, it was very circumstantial. I think like if you place so many teens, uh, in that, in those specific conditions, that would be the result. You know, I was, um, I was isolated. I felt like nobody was, no adults were listening, you know, or wanting to really understand what's going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, but you know, I found my way. I mean, I, both my parents love me very much, but you know, as, most parent-child relationships, yeah. it's very Works complicated. Yeah. yeah. So then, wait, did you go back to do the um, the ambiguous loss? Because wasn't that kind of tied to Hasidic growing right. up there? Right, the ambiguous loss thing happened uh, last May in the Jewish Museum. Here? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, but was that kind of inspired by your experiences growing up? Yeah, all of it. In that tradition? Yeah, all of it. All of these, uh, all of the footage... Uh, of the Hasidic men is candid footage that I shot in Crown Heights, which is, you know, Crown Heights is a place I visited as a teenager because this is, you know, the designated like pilgrimage site. Like every year you see like people uh, from our um, 
global community coming in from all the diasporas, which mm-hmm. is literally all over the world. Yeah. Um, and uh, just like co- like just celebrate like a, the full month of the high holidays, which is around September. Mm-hmm. It's a very intense experience. And I just basically went back like when I, um, you know, relocated here. Um, I, I don't know. It was so random. But the couple friends that I knew here both lived in Crown, still do in Crown Heights. So I was living in Crown Heights. So let's go back. So you're in Tel Aviv. Yes. You're studying. Yes. So you said gender studies and art history. Right. So then how do you get from there? So what do you... To but, photography? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, finishing that, I got kind of into working in the local art scene. I was doing like administrative yeah. production stuff i was slowly kind of um res- like getting inside getting into the inside taking on more kind of like uh, responsibility sometimes doing more creative stuff but mm. mostly if not all the time working to help somebody else's creative okay. yeah. uh, journey process whatever but learning so much i mean there's uh, great artists in Israel and great mm. art. Um, what kind of art inspired everything. you? Oh, um, I was always very attracted to photography, even in art history uh, in the department in Tel Aviv University. When I was there, there was a PhD coming in from Colombia, actually. Mm. She was Israeli. And she uh, founded there, while I was there, a program dedicated to photography theory. And I was oh, yeah. studying that. Yeah. Yeah. What about that stuck out to you? Because, I mean, I've read, uh, I've read a few books about photography just in terms of, um, like, I just read one the other day about, like, family portraits mm. and what you're trying to convey and just these, like, implicit and explicit cues. Yeah. Like, if you're in a family portrait, um, oftentimes, like, you'll see one relative kind of tilt their head. Of, was it your goal to expose some of that, those implicit cues, like, those experiences that mm. people might otherwise go, you know, go unsaid? Because sometimes you look at those family photos Mm -hmm. and they look completely forced it's like they don't want to be there yeah was that part of it in terms of like relaying the expression that might not be conveyed even verbally Mm. i i think so many things that you're saying are resonating uh deeply generally i would say that like i was attracted to photography just because it was one of those things that felt very contemporary it felt like Mm. very relevant and current it was very like intuitive kind of attraction to it yeah Um, I liked photography a lot. And then in terms of photography theory, at this point of like thinking about this for years now and kind of talking about it a lot, I feel that photography uh, in the context of the fine arts is relatively very new medium. You know, Mm. it's not painting or sculpture where you have like, you know... Like um, thousands of years. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. basically of, you know people who are painters in my program are working with the techniques that have been cultivated over like, yeah. you know, from Generations, the yeah. middle age. I don't yeah. know. Uh, you know, um, but photography happened in terms of the fine arts, maybe. The 50s? I, w- I mean, or I guess um, late, late 1800s maybe, or? Yeah, yeah. late eight, 1800s is where you see like photographers kind of doing things that are not just like, oh, look, we can take a picture. Yeah. It was more about having some sort of aesthetic. Right vision but actually entering into the fine arts in terms of like being allowed in by the gatekeepers of the time yeah probably early 20th century so when you're in um tel aviv i mean you're are you basically would you say like you're apprenticing like you're kind of soaking you're not necessarily doing your 
own original work, but helping other people like realize their vision. Yeah. Like, what are you learning? Are you learning about technique? Are you learning about process? I'm learning, honestly, about the industry, hmm. uh, which is something that is still kind of like not really. Yeah, you don't as if you're an artist in the art world, you don't get like a normal introduction into the machine. Yeah. Uh, that is operating around uh, at least successful or somewhat successful artists. Successful it, in terms of like having a big audience and stuff? Like what, in what does success being mean? A, uh, well, Subjective. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but when I say successful artist, I would say somebody who is able to concentrate on their, on their work. Yeah. Uh, that To me, that means either being commercially successful or being at least established enough to kind of uh, to teach and to receive grants regularly yeah. and commissions and kind of not have to have a day job. Yeah. Can I ask you something about that? Like just about commercialization and what success means? Yeah. Like why do you think, um, why do you think Warhol hit so hard? Why do you think that he struck <laughs> such a big Whoa, I don't chord? know. That's a huge question. I think he was very... Um, sophisticated in terms of understanding marketing and yeah. also really just being so tuned to his zeitgeist. I yeah. think you really tapped into something there. Do you feel like you have to be able to be trivialized to be commercially successful? No, 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 no. So many uh, commer commercially successful <laughs> artists are great, great artists doing yeah. great, great work. Yeah, but the thing about it is that in terms of like the gallery, the current gallery system, the way I understand it is that there are so many artists, uh, artists working and yeah. great artists and very limited uh, spots. So supply and demand issue. Yeah. And I think nowadays we have more artists than ever. Than ever. Yeah. If you're just thinking about the, def the different MFA programs, like, you know, oh, yeah. churning out every year, like hundreds at least yeah. in America, for sure. If not more, I don't know. I never like really looked up the numbers. So but. you're studying, you're working with photographers. Then what happens? What do you do with photographers, that? painters? Different. Yeah. What happened is that I, I uh, eventually I stopped. I um, I was managing this photography archive for a while. Then mm -hmm. I quit that. Became kind of a freelance producer. Then producer it, of what? Uh, arts okay. uh, events. I was doing some curation. Um, art, arts and culture. I would say like stuff like that yeah. and very quickly realizing that like I was paying photographers to come and like document events that I was producing Oof. and they were Tough. being paid more and coming in for three hours doing the thing yeah popping out I was there the whole eating time all this shit yeah. yeah getting no credit photographer you take a picture you get a credit so i don't yeah. know it was just like a very economic choice for me yeah little did i know once i actually started practicing photography i went and uh, signed up in this kind of very commercial training like old school training photography in, in israel com yeah commercial photography i yeah. went through like a two-year certificate program of like studio photography huh. little did i know that what would happen would be that uh, photography gave me a voice like mm. I've never until then I wasn't I mean I wasn't drawing anymore um, when did you stop that I think once I had to become like an adult and worry about you know paying the bills and oh, stuff yeah. I yeah. had to you know provide for myself as yeah. soon as I left the house so I think I just yeah for a while I was just I was doing 
a lot of wonderful things, but I was also mainly kind of surviving. Right. So I don't know. I just felt that like it didn't feel essential at the time to have like some sort of like artistic pursuit. Did you feel like you had a community in place? Like were there other artists that you looked up to that mentored you that worked with you really closely that helped Mm. shaped like how you see the industry or how you see working as an artist for sure I mean but it's oh it was never I don't feel like it was I'm thinking about the mentor thing a lot just because in Colombia it's very much structured around the idea that like a good practice is cultivated through letting people in and having conversations uh, about it and they're actually like one of the key parts of the program is something called a mentorship program where yeah can, uh the technical details don't really matter but yeah uh so i've been thinking about it a lot because i realize how important that is mm-hmm. um and thinking back yeah every kind of boss i had taught me something whether it was like a nurturing experience or not yeah. is another issue but i definitely ended up like I feel lucky to have, you know, been able to be exposed, uh, especially from that point of view. That's very kind of like in the thing, in the belly of it, like seeing also like the not meticulously curated stuff, you know, like like, what not to do, right? A little bit or (laughs) not to do, but also like what it really is, you know, which is art is uh, is messy. Yeah. Good art is not always done by good people. Mm. That's at least my experience yeah and you know trigger controversial but like yeah i mean it's just good art is not about you know being a good person unfortunately Mm. okay interesting so like when i look at your art because we were talking about and then i definitely want to get back to kind of like your first experiences in the states but when i look at something like that murder mystery series oh yeah that uh, was one of the first thing i've ever so okay yeah no uh, so that so like when I look at that I mean it's it's something that I can't just summarize in like five words because it's so it touches on so many different layers just based on the choices that you make yeah like when I think about like because you you basically flipped you have uh you know three people going in one direction and you kind of flip that on its axis right yeah so when you when you did that like what's kind of that what leads to that decision how do you how do you come up with an ingenue that has um, pink hair and a neck tattoo. Oh, that ingenue was my roommate. <laughs> oh, wow, really? <laughs> At the time. Hana, who is, yeah, he's, uh, I love him so much, I miss him. Yeah. Uh, hopefully he'll make his way uh, maybe to this part uh-huh. at some point. He's a, like a very talented fashion designer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that murder mystery series is basically the first thing I did as a photographer. I was studying uh, photography, like I think I was like, the first time I was kind of introduced to flashlight and immediately that's like one of the, that's, I'm still like astonished by my own kind of reaction to it because what I did is started setting up these studio sessions at, on the roof of my building. Mm -hmm. And I started just, so I started with Hana. He was the most accessible person Mm -hmm. sat there literally for like 10 minutes and we got it. And I was just playing around. I was playing around. I was just all of a sudden, you know, feeling kind of uh, capable of producing something that would be beautiful and personal. And I 
was not even thinking in any sort of like fine arts direction. Mm. Once I start, uh, decided to become a photographer, I was very set on becoming a commercial photographer, which is still something that, you know, I do. Like ads and stuff? Any sort of like yeah. paid sure. for my services type yeah. of photography. It could be like art documentation, which I do now a lot, uh, headshots, anything. Not, not just the artistically fulfilling things. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, and yeah, so, and then I came up with just this very, um, with this one method of photographing people in terms of setup so that you have like the cloth in the background, uh, very specific lighting and then the three quarter pose with the look that was usually attributed to the fact that they had like a strobe coming from one side, but the other side was the sun. So they were having a hard time kind of looking at me. This is very much about. Um, me being resourceful. Like, yeah. looking back, I just love myself for that. <laughs> and I just started doing it. And then it kind of created, like, at least in my social circle, all of a sudden people were like, oh, I want to be in that. Nobody knew what that was. Yeah. And then I just started, I I think, like, titling them as uh, archetypes, right? As, like... The advocate. Yeah, the advocate, the, the rabbi. rabbi, the yeah. artist. Yeah. The rabbi being my dad, by the way. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. He is a rabbi. I mean, it was all about kind of realizing that having a camera and having a practice in photography gives me this power, this kind of, uh, yeah, the, the a power that was very like, uh, like foreign to you originally or yeah, kind of, I, yeah. I was c- uncomfortable, but also so exciting. So like when you say that, you know, we played around for 10 minutes and then I got it. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you, like, we talked about some of the technical choices that you made, but what about the component of photography being, um, like documenting, like working with other people? Is that mm-hmm. something that oh, yeah. drew you to it? Yeah. I think photography and many photographers will tell you that is a good way to meet people. It's yeah. a good way to like just be part of the world. Well, just like you're, but you're working with subjects, human subjects. Yeah, right. So that kind of interaction, I mean, did you feel like that was something missing in drawing that you wanted to kind of recreate or was that part of the impetus to do it? Um, that's a good question. I think that what I love about photography is that it is confused, still very much confused with portraying reality. Mm. And that gives me so much room to be uh, very playful, very, and also to, yeah, to play around with like what is truth, what is reality, how reality is, uh, I don't know what it is. And what does photography do to reality? All these different, like very existential, almost like, optical questions you know or questions about like what does your mind do with the information it receives through your eyes do you think about the words that you should use when you're talking to subjects to get to convey certain emotions is that something that's going through your mind or is it just very kind of um like implicit instinctual decisions i i guess it's both i think the important thing for me when it because Obviously, my thing very quickly, it w- I realized my, that my thing was, uh, you know, uh, doing portraits. Yeah. So that means working with human subjects. And um, and very much what I love about it is the results are obvious to everybody. But for me, it's also about 
the conditions of making. And the conditions of of making are very much about having that dynamic with a subject. And what happens, I think I was very just fascinated but by what happened when you are introduced to somebody in that context Mm -hmm. because it was so powerful Hmm. you know to just realize that as soon as somebody that you even know and you have already a relationship with you are put in that position yeah you have this weird power over them I mean, you could also say that it's just for the fact that you have a technology that they don't yeah. in that in that situation. That is technically you're having that power. But that power is also about looking and you're the looking and they are the, you know, the vision. They are the oh, interesting. sight. Huh. So they're like um, they're almost like a component or. I don't know if tool is the right word, but they're de- definitely they're like a piece of the puzzle that you need in order to make art. But yeah. you're ultimately the deciding where the pieces go. Yeah. And any photographer that would say otherwise would probably kind of lie to you or to themselves. But it's definitely photography is making a lot of decisions. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you have all these like that you can look it up on YouTube, all these, you know, uh, videos that you take one subject and eight different photographers, you get yeah, eight, eight different, different images. Results, yeah. It's just very different. But and also it all depends on like what you what information the photographer has about the subject. What I try to do when I come to uh, shoot people is um, to be very to disclose to them. And first of all, to myself, is that. All of this is about me. I know mm-hmm. that it's going to it's gonna show your face, but what you're doing, I don't say it this way. Yeah. I'm more like appreciative and grateful and celebrating it. Yeah. But what you're doing is generously lending me your physical platform. Right. And I think I'm creating all these like session, photo sessions as a way to just experience people trusting me. How does that um, transpire when you're uh, shooting yourself? Because you do a lot of self-portraits. That's true. I think it, it's a matter of like accessibility. A lot of the self-portrait things started around COVID, which is a oh, very... Really? Yeah, it happened. Yeah, the first like um, like a uh, few self-portraits I had are from a uh, quarantine stay of two weeks. This was March 2020. Yeah. And I was, yeah, unfortunate enough to be exposed at the time. And in Israel, it was like two weeks quarantine. I was living with roommates. I was quarantined in my bedroom. And thank God I had like my gear at the time because I just started doing that. Yeah. So what is it about taking pictures? I think what I think about when I'm do self, when I do self portraits, in some ways it's the same Hmm. in the sense that I'm, very aware that the image is not um is not about like capturing reality capturing who i am the yeah. image is about this show of what i can do right especially when you show them in a series that's yeah. i feel that a lot of i think every work that i have is also a part of a series because there's something i think quintessentially photographical about you know, the idea of working in a series because there's something that happens when you kind of repeat something and there's many different ways to repeat things. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think photography uh, calls for repetition. Because, like, when you... But then you're also in self-portraits. I mean, at least in that bedroom piece. I mean, you're you're changing, you're changing your uh, hair 
you're changing your dress. Yeah. Like there's one that you're uh, kind of dressed like a schoolgirl, right? There's yeah. another one um, where you have that cigar kind of thing. There's one yeah. that you had that latex glove. And then right. I guess that's the schoolgirl one, right? Where you're going like this. You have that shoe Yeah, the motion. latex was happening in a lot of them. At the yeah. time, that was when COVID, when we were oh, all okay. wearing those. Yeah. I wasn't having like a very like, you know, literal okay. message there because I'd like to think I, I'm more sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... Um, yeah. So what's the question? Just like when you think about like playing with different, because uh, we were talking about how photography isn't necessarily capturing reality. That's just a misperception that a lot of people have, right? Yeah. And I think that's exactly what I'm interested in. Is? Is like, I know that photography is about manipulating reality. Mm. So, but yet culturally, uh, photography still has this hold like it still had that kind of authority mm-hmm. i feel that at this point everybody's aware of photoshop and when and yeah, when you how ha- do you feel about that like how do you feel about oh i uh, use photoshop a lot how do you f- no? but how do you feel like about the like the phones and about instagram like a lot of people do you think that makes them take the, take it for granted Pro- probably yes because they're not those people aren't they don't care about they don't give a shit about process or any of that they're literally like doing something that anyone but can do i think what they're doing is they're participating in um something that they don't have a language for mm, exactly so i think like so it, they don't know what they don't know yeah so like at this point it's very much like part of you know our culture everybody is a photographer everybody how do you, how do you feel about like the social mediafication of, of the world um are you, are you into it? it like do you participate in it i participate i have yeah. an instagram account yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I think what I can say is like what most people would say, you know, get, getting too much into it is bad. like, <laughs> just makes me feel bad about myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I try to keep a healthy distance. I'd never joined social media, even though I am of the generation that was kind of introduced to social media yeah. and took part in it. Yeah. I never really like did the thing of like documenting my life and yeah. like, you know, hanging with the girls and stuff. At this point, it's very like just, you know, I post stuff about like, you know, my work and uh, the shows that I'm on. And the other thing I do is for sure stalk people and just like, you know, watch like, you know, cute animal videos, stuff like that. (laughs) Okay. So like pretty benign stuff. So then when you're, so one thing about photography, like when you're um, kind of growing up and learning more about photography, are you exposed to a lot of the darkroom stuff? No, darkroom stuff. You're working more digitally. I'm purely digital. Digital yeah. is very much something that I feel is more um, happening in the commercial mm-hmm. uh, um, oh, yeah, fields sure. of photography of course, yeah. just because it makes so much sense. And at this point, digital photography is just as good. I think mm. um, darkroom photography happened to me in Colombia just because their facilities in the photography department are all great geared towards a darkroom photography they do not yeah they don't really like digital photography like we have a printing room but uh when it comes to yeah photography in the fine arts is very much still kind of um about the object of photography and by object i mean like the thing about analog is that um you know it's tactile yeah tactile like you um are touching it and shaping it yeah. As you go. Yeah. So you're there is 
um, the process of making it can still be understood from this old order view of the fine arts where you have the artist, you know, making it, it's a singular object, you know, and even though photog darkroom photography is by definition uh, reproducible, mm -hmm. it's not like digital. You still have to go through the processes yeah. of like, you know, the chemicals and make all these decisions. Um, yeah, and you could become like, a master print yeah people get very like into that digital photography um and digital in general is something that i think the art world is still kind of like not sure what to do with mm. uh i think the just digital culture really i mean you have so many artists working uh doing digital stuff like the vast majority wouldn't you say i mean what do you mean wouldn't you say that most people that are doing you just said i mean most people that are doing commercial work or doing digital right oh yeah i mean like in terms of um artists oh, okay like fine yeah. artists oh yeah yeah there are many fine artists doing uh digital work i mean video artists would be the artists doing video uh work wait let's talk about that so yeah. um kind of as we wrap up too like um eyes yes so that is would that be an example you're kind of doing or would that be more considered like visual but I don't know. Is, what is that? Is that moving image? Is that... That's video. Yeah. I would say, yeah, that's technically video, but obviously, um, yeah, moving image, I guess, is another word for it. I'm not, like, too uh, precious about that, about, like, how to classify it in terms of, like, Like, how to trivialize it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, it, so eyes, yeah. I've been kind of thinking about video for a while. Hmm. Um but obviously my point of view is still very much of a stills photographer. And yeah. I think it's very apparent in that work too, because mm -hmm. it's literally like a very slight movement, I would say. Emotionally. There, it, yeah. That yeah. vignette is True. a reference to still photography. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also I wanted to, you know, I just, there's something about doing video that for me, like immediately I want to be cinematic, you know, mm, yeah. just like when I do like stills, I want to be high production, you okay. know, that's just my taste. But, uh, um, so then f like films, I mean, are you into, you said you like Malkovich, uh, I mean, do you like other films, do films kind of shape how you think about something more still or, um, or even video? I mean, how to, what impact do films and, um, you know, I guess cinematic, endeavors what do they have on your process well currently i my some of my cohorts are you know very much into experimental film so i wouldn't vivian, you know yeah. vivian yeah. uh yeah Al, yeah we have a bunch of people doing uh are very so through them i kind of was introduced to all the amazing avant-garde experimental stuff that's going on yeah these days and has been uh, for a while now, yeah. decades and decades. Yeah. But in terms of my um, inspiration or like, yeah, education around film. So obviously I was introduced to the idea, like real cinema very late in life and mm. went only when I decided and then left. Yeah. Uh, so I went through like uh, binging like a bunch of stuff, like very classical stuff for a while I was... <laughs> I don't, it was just like anything I kind of could research yeah. in Wikipedia. So I was going through like the Coen Brothers oh, nice. filmography yeah. and um, yeah. And uh, how'd you feel about those guys? Great, everything was yeah. amazing. Blew yeah. my mind. Everything was beautiful. Uh, Did you see that Lewin Davis movie? Is that recent? Inside. It's like within the past, like I don't know, I guess seven or eight years. 
Lewin Davis. Yeah. No. It's like a musician uh, and he's in New York. It has a Columbia connection. That's why I brought it up. Oh. Yeah. So that's no. interesting. So it yeah. did um, Yeah. Yeah. All of these things. Uh, you know. And now I'm blanking, but you know, Wes Anderson, all the yeah. like yeah, great yeah. kind of artistic, but His still films, very much Hollywood. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess that's partly like how you find out about them too, a little bit, right? Cause they're kind yeah. of in the Hollywood thing. Wes is, I mean, his films are kind of like, uh, they're almost like paintings. Wouldn't you say? I mean, they're very, oh, very photographic. Like that moonrise. All of them moon, like yeah. are so, I remember like when I was studying photography, I was very r- quickly realizing, oh, you could very quickly see in films who hired like a photographer to be on, oh, a, yeah. on set like yeah. to be like the head of photography for example yeah. like the people who decide how to compose a frame because even if you know you have a, a, a you know video or film camera where you're moving around and there's all this direction going on yeah. there is still head of photography i think that's the name of the position which is the person who decides who makes like photographic decisions right. about just the composition and the colors and the lighting, yeah. stuff like that. So that is very much stills like thinking. So you've had a good experience at Columbia. You like it. You like the people and everything and the environment. Yeah, I think that more than anything, I was ready for it. At it's, that moment, that you yeah, at this moment of my life, when I was accepted and joined and relocated, still very intense experience, but. I was very ready for it in terms of like, I was not having any sort of delusion as to what this program or this institution uh, can do for me. And I'm very grateful for what it does, which is like, introduce me to a lot of amazing, wonderful artists that come in and yeah. And you mentioned that that mentorship is like a tenant. So you you have had a good experience with that. I mean, you saw like seeing people that, or doing things well, seeing th- things that um, you might want to kind of do differently, like that was all, you're absorbing it and you like it? Yeah, very much. I think it has a lot to do with just like my, uh, me kind of evolving as a person mm-hmm. and just like being a grown up and yeah. just being able to, um, yeah, to really make the best out of a situation that is so honestly so rich like the Columbia experience um is there something that you want to do that you haven't done that you think would be interesting oh everything (laughs) everything (laughs) and you mean in my practice yeah everything for sure but uh I'm definitely thinking about film I am kind of in the very initial stages of working on a film collaboratively Mm. uh that would be like kind of like a hybrid documentary which is exactly you know uh, I think it's an opportunity to really kind of explore my um, all my you know different ideas and contemplations that I have around how like reality itself itself mm. is kind of uh, infused with so many tricks, like Malkovich, kind of <laughs> like Malkovich, like so many amazing yeah. you know artists and historians that you know everybody who views reality from the point of view of realizing that so much of what we experience as real is the conditions of perceiving it wow well i think that's a pretty good place to end um okay. thanks again for i mean talking to me it was really, really cool and oh, i like that you gave me a good compliment uh mm-hmm. which i don't know if you thought was a compliment at the time but i thought it was which is uh 
first time we met, you said that I have this, uh, like, I have the anti-TMZ podcast, <laughs> right? Um, and I think you were saying that because you're like, oh, like, why does you want to talk to certain people? But I, I, like I said, I only want to talk to people that I um, respect, and you're definitely one of those people. Um, oh, and so I really much. appreciate all the art you're doing, and I think it's really um, impacting New York City and also just um, the world. And I think that's really cool. Oh, that's and I'm, I'm excited to see uh, the film, how that uh, unfolds and what happens with that. Thank you so much. Thank you.